Welcome to An Artist's Journey, the podcast about creating and thriving as an artist. I'm your host, Malcolm Dewey, a full-time artist, and I'm living the artist's life. So let's begin. In today's podcast, we're going to be chatting to Linda Hodnett, the managing editor of the South African Artist magazine. Linda was born in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the United Kingdom and came to South Africa in 1970. She studied at the National School of Arts in Johannesburg, has spent over 20 years in graphic design, web design and print production. Currently managing editor of South African Artist magazine since 2011, Linda is living in KwaZulu-Natal and we're going to find out more about her and her magazine. Before we do that, do you know what is the number one question I get asked by artists? Everybody wants to know how to loosen up their painting and get rid of a tight painting style. You'll find the answers to this question in the course How to Loosen Up Your Painting. It consists of over five hours of videos, demonstrations and much more, which will help you learn ways to loosen up your painting and get that uh, lovely impressionist style that you're looking for. You can find more details about this course on my website, MalcolmDeweyFineArt.com. And now, let's meet Linda Hodnett. Welcome to an Artist Journey podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have a special guest, Linda Hodnett. Managing Editor of the South African Artist Magazine. Linda's going to tell us a bit more about how she got started in the publishing business and uh, I'm sure much more as well. Welcome, Linda. Um, Linda, I'm looking at your resume and you started studying at the National School of Arts in Johannesburg. You have um, 20 years experience in graphic design and web design and then got into publishing. Can you perhaps just fill in the gaps there a bit about how you got in from the um, art studies and then into publishing an art magazine? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, when I left art school, um, I really didn't have a clue what I, want, what I wanted to do. Um, and I started off working for, actually for working for a furniture design company. I was employed to do architectural tracing and I ended up making models of buildings. Um, and then after that, I, I, I moved about and I, I was a receptionist. I was an estate agent. I did some electrical tracing. And eventually, I, I found myself doing graphic design for an FMCG company. Um, and at one time, I thought I'd wasted a lot of years in jobs that didn't suit me. But I think every bit of experience you gain helps in some way or another. And after many years of freelancing as a graphic designer... Um, I decided I needed a change and perhaps more of a challenge. And, um, yeah, I didn't realize how much of a challenge it was going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Now, um, when did the magazine start off? Um, we, we, our first issue came out in November 2011. Tell me, uh, uh, Linda, the uh, magazine business and the publishing industry is, um, is obviously something not for the faint of heart. And uh, competition is quite fierce I'm sure what are the or what were the starting challenges for you in this uh, business when we first started our challenge was getting advertising because without a track record it's difficult to convince people 
that mm. you'll be producing a quality magazine on a regular basis. And obviously they want to know that their advertising is not only reaching their target market, but also that the publication is reputable. So it's always been hard work. Um, but without a doubt, our biggest challenge was the post office and the strike, um, which happened round about, I think it was issue 16. How did that uh, impact your subscribers, perhaps? Or did you have trouble getting your new subscribers in or obviously maintaining your subscriptions but it must have had quite a dent on things like um, confidence and in your business and also with uh, subscribers yeah it affected us from all angles um, because we we send out our, our team sends out stock to independent stores we pack that ourselves and send it out but then we've also got a supplier, a, a distributor in Johannesburg that's, that uh, deals with CNA and exclusive books and all those sort of retailers. Mm. Um, mm. So those stores had their stock, but we had just sent out all stock to, to the, the independent stores and all of the subscriptions. And the, the strike actually broke the following day. So we mm. had no warning. And uh, we actually, we lost just about everything. I think we got one parcel back, which we had to pay for to get it back. <laughs> and, sure. um, yeah, you know, subscribers then, we then had to obviously have, have enough funds to pay for the next magazine without getting any revenue in from, uh, you know, uh, subscription renewals or any uh, stock to stores. So it w that was quite tough. And, um, you know, trying to convince also subscribers that we would try to make some sort of arrangement to get the magazines to them. Um, but, right. you know, um, we, we were expecting that strike to just maybe last a week or so. And, of course, it went on and on and eventually it dragged on for mm. four months. Uh, so yeah. it was, yeah, it was very difficult, and it's still, that it strikes still affects us today because subscribers are very wary of renewing if the if the post office is their only means of receiving the magazine. So um, it's it's still a problem. Um, we still right. get we still get returned magazines from addresses that we've been sending to for years and for no real reason. But we. Mm. We always um, we resend, we repost any missing magazines, um, and we've also been able to make arrangements with stores for subscribers to collect from their local store or from their art teacher. So we've had we've made quite a um, had quite a workaround to try and and get around the post office problem. Um, yes. So, you know, what was once, the post office probably was 60% of our stock going out. It's now probably only 10%. Uh, Linda, how would you describe yourself as uh, a person capable of, of dealing with risk? Are you happy with um, the pressures and risks associated with magazine publishing? Or have you just got used to it? <laughs> um, probably lots of gin and tonic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, now, I, I've always worked well under pressure. So, um, you know, in fact, if I, if I don't have a deadline, I can't perform. So uh, that that's right. never been a problem for me. But these days, um, 
there's a lot less pressure because we run to a proper schedule. We've got a six-week schedule, so we know at any time what we're supposed to be doing and, and what's due. Um, I think when we started, mm-hmm. we didn't do enough forward planning. Um, suddenly, there was a deadline which we battled to meet. And also, there's a risk dealing with artists. You know, They can be very unreliable uh, because I'm <laughs> sure most of them are far happier painting than having to be interviewed or do demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do get let down. Um, yeah, we've been let down on more than one occasion. Um, and that can be really stressful because suddenly you're trying to replace an artist at the last minute. Yes, I, I do find that um, there's nothing like a deadline to bring out the best in me. And we seem to, I think there's a saying that goes um, something to the effect of the longer you have to do something or to start something, the more you're going to procrastinate. At least... Yeah, at least uh, we do get something done if you set a deadline. So I think that's a good practice for most people. And also dealing with artists, you have to some you you somehow have to give them a lot more time than you you expect them to need because mm. I think uh, I think the art gets in the way of doing the the admin. Yes, um, not all artists perhaps are um, happy with pressure and maybe try to avoid it. So maybe it doesn't bring out the best in all of us, but. Um, a word to all the artists out there, please write down that deadline and stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Okay, now looking back at uh, the time you've been with the magazine, what would you say was the pivotal success or was there a, a point in time that you can look back on and reflect and say, right, we're on steady ground now and things are, are going to be pretty good? I think. Well, I think we've been able to establish ourselves as Oh, I say the leading practical art magazine in this country is probably the only practical art magazine, so that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's difficult to, to sort of pinpoint any time of success. It's, um, you know, we're constantly trying to expand our distribution and, you know, sub- mm-hmm. subscriber base and uh, improve our offering. Yeah, Linda, you've mentioned... If I can just uh, pick out one thing you've just mentioned now is that the South African Arts magazine is really the only practical or instructional type of magazine. Um, And as your cover says, it's a magazine for professional artists and art enthusiasts. And it's certainly the only one I can think of for art enthusiasts. So it must have been a bit of a leap of faith to, to jump into a market where there was nothing really similar out there how did you research that or or decide well we'll give it a go anyway uh you know i'd 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 done layout and design for um a consumer magazine prior to to um starting the art magazine and i'd always subscribed to publications like american artists and international artists and they were great but I, I just couldn't help but wonder, you know, that the products weren't available locally and the artists sort of, you know, they weren't familiar to us. And when this is obviously the days before Facebook, when obviously now it's far easier to get mm. to know international artists. But um, I just kept thinking, you know, surely there's a there's a gap here for us and, and you know, there, there must be a need for, for something locally. Right. And, and, you know, when I... When I started doing research into the viability of a local magazine, um, the initial feedback was very negative, which probably spurred me on. But, you know, being an Aries, I wouldn't take no for an answer. So I just saw a gap and I thought, 
you know, if you if you don't try, you you just you'll never know. So um, I contacted a friend of mine, Harry Locke, who's a, a great photographer and he's also an artist and graphic designer, and um, and I thought he would be a good good partner to work with. So it took some convincing, but he eventually agreed, um, and we worked together for about two years. But in the beginning, it was difficult. You know, we didn't we didn't earn a salary. Um, Getting the magazine to print was always a struggle. We were doing everything between the two of us. And um, eventually Harry bowed out. He went back to concentrating on his, um, his own business. Hmm. Um, but I must say that he was very instrumental in shaping the magazine, and uh, I have to thank him for that. But uh, I, yeah, I, think, I think the negative feedback is probably, was probably the catalyst for, for getting it going. When doing your research into the magazine, um, you obviously realized South Africa has a, a lot of artists, particularly um, art enthusiasts who, who paint as a hobby, even at a, at a relatively high level. Um, but why would you say that uh, there was this negative response, bearing in mind that uh, there seems to be a quite a large amount of enthusiastic artists out there? Um, is, do you think this is simply a part of our um, isolation type mindset? Uh, we on the other end of the world, or, or what do you th ascribe it to? Um, I, I don't know. It was it was um, a lot of people said, uh, "Oh, you know, I don't think you'd you'll have enough um, material. You know, I don't think there are enough local artists or, or artists of good enough caliber hmm. to feature." Um, I don't know. You know, a lot of people have got this idea that if it's local, it's not, it's not good enough. Mm. Um, and I think maybe, maybe, maybe that was actually the the reaction um, was that well, you know, local artists. You know, people are people aren't going to buy a magazine about local artists. They want to aspire to be as good as international artists, right? Which is obviously not true. But um, so. Uh, yeah. yeah, have you have you seen a change in that attitude since, uh, you know, let's say, in the past five, six years? I think so. You know, I think social media has got a lot to do with it as well. Mm. Uh, there are a lot more people. Um, obviously, it's easier to get noticed, and and a lot more artists um, coming out and and um, posting their work on social media. So, and I think we've got a lot of very good artists in this country. Uh, mm. Some really excellent talent so yeah i think i think social media has got a lot to to do with it yes. i'd like to think the magazine's got a lot to do with it as well <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the you hope the magazine has an influence um, linda i was actually just want to refer to um, a letter somebody wrote into you in the in a previous issue maybe a month or two ago and and this um, artist wrote in and said that at first, they found it intimidating to read about other competent artists, but um, then got over that and, and found it refreshing. Artists were helping other artists with tips and advice. So perhaps there's a, a clue there about um, artists are perhaps coming out of their shell a bit and, and learning and being happy to learn and perhaps also acknowledge that they need to learn from others. And the magazine can certainly help expose artists to other influences and perhaps give a bit of help or a boost to their confidence. Yes, yes, definitely. 
And I think the um, you know the step by step demos that we we get the artists to do as well. I think a lot of the let's say the sort of part time artists are you know mm. they they'll do those those um, demos themselves and and um, learn from them, pick up some great tips, and by doing it. Okay, Linda. Um, looking back, with the benefit of hindsight, let's say you have a chance to give yourself some advice 20 years ago what would it be oh that's that's not an easy one um don't publish an art magazine (laughs) no No, i'm kidding um i would just say you know um i would probably take more chances um you know, I often had ideas or wanted to try things and then backed off because I was afraid of failing, which I think that's, you know, everybody goes through that. Yes. Um, yeah, I think you just have to take a leap of faith and trust your instincts. So I, I probably would have, I probably would have done something like this a lot sooner if I'd, if I'd, um, if I'd had the, the courage. Uh, Linda, that is um, certainly profound and important advice there. I think uh, every artist who has thought about taking the leap into full-time art, for instance, will feel the same way, but it applies really, I think, to any uh, business adventure. When you're starting off, you have to put aside the fear of failure, and and that is perhaps one of our biggest fears. I'm sure you don't regret it now, but uh, at the time, you had to perhaps didn't have the benefit of a lot of (laughs) success statistics behind you as far as magazines are concerned. It's uh, particularly since the crash in 2008 so uh, yeah it was a brave move um you know we when we when we started we actually when we were looking for um a distributor and we we chatted to a guy um at one of the big dis- distribution companies and he said to us i'm going to give you some advice and that's to stay small because a lot of publications end up top heavy and and um you just can't sustain that, you know, it's mm. it's a tough industry to be in, you know, selling advertising and getting people to believe in you is quite difficult. So, you know, whatever you do, just mm. stay small. And we, we always stuck with that because um, if we hadn't, you know, for example, with the, the post office strike, um, yes. if we hadn't been a small team, we would have actually closed our doors because there was, there'd be no ways we could be paying loads of staff. You know? That is also a, a critical bit of advice, I think, is uh, the old adage, just keep your overheads low and and work on getting your cash flow healthy <laughs> before yeah. you before you expand you know and it's all you know it's mm-hmm. meant that we've we've had to um we've all had to wear different hats, you know, so we've had to really be good at at doing all sorts of different things and maybe you know jobs that we we never thought we'd be doing you know mm. um when we started, we didn't have, you know, we had no um, benchmark. We had no uh, setting up um, databases for subscriptions mm. and for, um, you know, how do you how do you work out when renewals are due when you've got thousands of subscribers? You know, mm. um, all those type of systems had to be put in place, and we learned quickly to just how the quickest and the best way of doing things. So I think you you have to be able to multitask you know you've got to be able to deal with people but you've also got to be good at admin and um you know good good obviously good on the pc you've got to be able to design and be able to update a website and um but at the same time chase accounts and you know Mm. um Mm. deal with the post office (laughs) 
I think you know that's also where we where we um, we were able to to get over all mm. the hurdles was that we were all able to multitask fairly well. And uh, of course, starting off lean, you can make decisions and change direction really on a dime and and just uh, see something that needs doing and and go in change direction if you need to yeah yeah that's right mm. yeah. yeah perhaps um working on this uh, same sort of idea about looking back a little if um now let's say if you could do one thing over again when you look back and think you know if i if we had just done this do you does something come to mind uh you know not really i think everything we've been through has been a learning curve um mm. and um I don't think there's anything we could have or should have done differently. Um, apart from, look, when we started off, we had pots of money. That would have mm. made a difference. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, maybe we wouldn't have started a magazine if we had pots of money. Uh, but I think we've learned some valuable lessons along the way. And it hasn't been easy. Um, but I don't, I don't think we've made any terrible mistakes that we could look back and say, well, we shouldn't have done that. You know? Considering this whole world recession and and lots of doom and gloom, the South African Arts magazine has been a you know a success. And maybe you've also had a chance to look at at artists. You've obviously deal with a lot of artists. So, what would you say has distinguished some artists from the other to to weather this economic storm and to get through this period as well? Um, I, I I think a positive attitude is is essential um mm. of course just having a positive attitude isn't enough there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done and um i know artists would rather sit in their studios and paint away but yes. um you know marketing through social media um has made such a difference to a lot of artists and having a good up-to-date website is is also good um and i think a lot of uh, you know if you can divide your time and maybe schedule schedule your time that you have painting time and you have your social media time where you, you are in, tune, in, in contact with uh, buyers or people that are interested in your art or updating mm. whatever you've just painted. But there's something I'd like to add here, yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit of a bugbear for me because, um, you know, there are hundreds of artists on Facebook and South African artists, um, and some of them got their own artist pages and they post regular updates of their work and it's all great. But there are so many artists out there who do not have contact details on their profiles. You'll go in and think, well, you know, let, let me find out more about this artist. Maybe we'd like to contact them. No email address, no phone number, <laughs> no website. I can't tell you how many times we've tried to get hold of an artist for a feature or a demo. And um, we've tried to send them a private message. They haven't replied. So, you know, I think it's important that if you're going to put yourself out there, you have to put up your, your contact details and you have to be available. If somebody writes to you, you have to reply. Right. Um, you know, people want to get hold of you. I mean, it could be a buyer or somebody who wants to commission you, you know. And, the, and a lot of people don't want to be public about that. So they don't want to just comment on your on your post they'd rather send you a private message mm. so that's my right that's my soapbox bit for the for the day <laughs> definitely valuable advice and you know if i can add in a bit from my own experience you you never know when the next buyer or collector or opportunity is going to come it's impossible to to say well 
you know, I've had nothing for the past three months, so what's the point? Um, and then suddenly you get somebody who wants to redecorate a guest house, for instance, and need 20 paintings. You know, things like that do happen and you need to be available. And I think, you know, artists mm. also sort of, you know, a lot of them lock themselves away in their studios and they're painting and they're doing good work. Mm. Mm. But, you know, you've got to get it out there and, and you've got to... You've also got to believe in yourself. I mean, you've got to have that positive attitude. Um, if you're going to sit in your studio and say, oh, I haven't sold a painting a whole month. You know, I don't think I'm going to sell a painting this year and I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, that's, that's the worst thing you can do. Absolutely. Um, mm. You've got to believe in what you're doing, but you also have to let people know what you're doing. So it's, a, it's difficult. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a delicate balance, um, but you, it, it has to be done. So... Mm. Unless you, unless you've got a an assistant, you can just say, you know, get onto yeah. Facebook and do this and that. But there, I don't think many artists have that luxury. <laughs> no, I, I I don't suppose they do. And probably it's simply a case of, as you say, just knuckle down and do the work. And okay, now moving on a bit about you, Linda. You've you studied at the School of Arts. So if I asked you what. Where do you lean towards being an artist or a collector of art? <laughs> um, I do paint, I, but uh, very rarely. I, I, I do. I have a studio that gets locked up, and I hardly ever get into it. And my father will hmm. not be happy to hear me say that <laughs> because he's <laughs> he's always telling me to get in there and paint. But um, I just don't, I find that I just don't have enough time, and that sounds really really bad but um, I mean as an artist you know that you, if you're going to paint you need at least two or three hours um, uninterrupted time well I do I need at least I need to know that I'll have two or three hours at mm, least mm. so um, I've, I've tried to to sort of schedule my time yeah I'm telling other, I'm telling other artists to schedule their time and I'm not do, doing what I say but I have tried to sort of say all right well on a Wednesday and a Thursday at Three o'clock, I'll stop work and I'll go and paint. But it, it, it doesn't normally happen that way. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do occasionally paint um, and I do collect art as well. Okay, well, Linda, that's, that's almost a, a sad story, that. And now, <laughs> and now we must all um, help you unlock, <laughs> unlock that studio and, and do some painting. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It it is. Um, it's easy to give that advice. You, know, you must paint and set time, but there's a lot of mental and practical hurdles that can lie in the way. I know that for a fact. Very easy mm. to get distracted, and we can always be busy. I think yeah. that also reminds me of the artist that uh, looks back at years ago they used to paint, and and now they wish they could get back into it. They never do. So I, th I suppose I can say one thing there, Linda. Um, it takes, it's like going to the gym. You have to start. After th two or three weeks, it becomes a habit, and then you have no more trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that procrastination factor, you know, when you, get, when you do eventually yeah. get into that studio, and then it's, um, well, I'll just tidy up this little area, and I'll just do this, and I'll just do that. Anything but to start mm putting paint on that canvas that's staring at yeah never never trust don't trust a tidy studio <laughs> that's you know there's something wrong okay now you've got i think uh, if, if i'm correct you bring the the or publish the magazine uh, every second month 
six <laughs> issues a year. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned uh, deadlines earlier. So what happens after the deadline? Do you just uh, take some time to unwind or do you get straight back into preparing for the next one? Uh, yeah, we probably yeah, we probably have about two days between the last mag going out and the next one being planned. Mm. Yeah, because as I mentioned before, we work to a schedule, probably about a, over a six-week schedule. So once the magazine's been signed off for print, we spend the, the time in between... Uh, signing it off and getting our stock um, that time is spent uh, following up on admin uh, making sure there aren't any hassles with subscriptions mm. and, and all that sort of thing um, there is a dedicated person who handles subscriptions and deals with, with bulk but uh, just before we, we start sending out we need to make sure everything is updated totally updated so that once invoices are printed or magazine address labels are printed for, for subscriptions, that that list we're working from is absolutely mm. right and up to date. Uh, so that's that. We, we then spend that week or so doing that. And then it's a matter of getting the, the magazine out and checking that all our orders are up to date. And then we're straight back into, into, mm. the, next, into the next issue. And in fact, the next issue is already, it's, it's already been started, it's already planned a couple of weeks prior. It's just we've then got the time to dedicate ourselves solely to, to the next issue. Right. But it doesn't really end. There's, there's always an overlapping hmm. period of... But, so, you, I, I, so you're going to try and tell yeah. me that the two days that I take off, I have to get into that studio. Is that, is oh. that what you're... <laughs> <laughs> um, it crossed my mind, Linda, but I'm, I'm going to. I won't do that to you. I'll just ask you what. What do you prefer to do to unwind and and have a bit of fun when you're not working on the magazine? I, I actually um, probably twice a month. Um, a, a friend and I, an artist friend and I, go and we visit galleries and have a look at at uh, various exhibitions. We sit and discuss art and and. And I do, but I do try to paint. That would be my number one relaxation. Would be to get into the studio and spend an, a whole afternoon painting. That's that's mm -hmm. that's what I really try to do. That's yeah, it's it certainly is an amazing way to to relax. Let me ask you then: if you're looking at uh, galleries and exhibitions, let's say money is no object, what artist's paintings would you want to collect? And this is any any a, artist, any yeah. artist, international or local, it doesn't matter. Um, well, if money was no object and I had a fairly large wall, um, I would like to have the Night Watch and Rembrandt. That's that painting has always fascinated me. Um, I've never seen it in the flesh, so uh, I'd, uh, the Rijksmuseum is on my bucket list. Um, yes. But that would be it. I would. That's what I'd want. <laughs> uh, good choice. Okay, looking ahead, what, uh, if any, you, that you can share with us without um, giving the game away or something like that, but uh, any exciting projects or developments you got planned for the magazine? Uh, yeah, we have. We've got um, a couple of um, projects in the pipeline, but nothing we can mm. really discuss right now because we haven't finalized the no. details. Um, but apart from that, I think um, on the other side of things, what we're trying to do is just to get into more stores, um, especially getting into supermarkets, mm. because I think uh, people buy their magazines 
while they do their shopping these days, they don't um, necessarily go to a dedicated um, news agent. So uh, that's that's our plan for the next sort of eight months is to is to start rolling out into some of the bigger oh, supermarkets. I got a copy of your magazine here, and I see that you also publish uh, digital editions uh, via Magster. Yes. Um, would you say that digital is something that is going to expand for your for yourselves, perhaps in the future, or do you find that maybe the art magazine is uh, preferred in print form? Uh, it's it's quite interesting, you know. Um, and I'm probably going to throw you a curveball here because I'm actually also involved with um, the associate editor for the New okay. Zealand Artist Magazine, um, and. We found that, well, we certainly found that Europe and and also uh, New Zealand are people are far more um, prepared to have their magazine mm. digitally. They they don't have a problem with getting it digitally. So mm. that's a bigger market um, for us there. But locally, um, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, South Africans seem to be, uh, I don't know. Maybe people like to take a, a printed copy into the mm. studio and not have to worry about getting paint on their iPad screen. I don't, I don't know. Um, we sell, we, we, have, we have a lot of, um, of subscribers in Europe um, for the digital version. We have a couple, we have quite a few people also that, um, international subscribers that, mm. that subscribe to the print that we send out. Um, but, um, yeah, I think internationally for some reason it's, it's uh, digital is, is definitely growing. Although I read a, I, I read a, um, I'm going to contradict myself here, but I read a, um, an article belong belonged to a publishers forum, and I read an article not so long ago about um, in America, um, you know, they're saying that mm. um, people are going back to print, and they're going back to you know uh, reading their their novels and and uh, you know in print rather than digitally. I don't. I think our market is very different, so I, I think mm. print is still here. And, and we'll be here for a while, but yeah, um, it's yeah, it definitely yeah. is an interesting idea. And I can say from my own experience, Linda, I've tried a couple of international uh, magazines, American ones, digitally, and the appeal does seem to wear off. And I think mainly because it's not present in your mind if you don't see it lying on the table on the coffee table or whatnot, um, you, don't, you don't think about it. You have to actually remember, yeah. I can go online, I can watch or look at the magazine on my tablet or whatever, but you, know, you have to actually have that thought in mind. Whereas the magazine, it's, if it's to hand, then you'll pick it up and browse through it. So there's definitely an advantage there. I think, look, uh, obviously also the advantage with the digital one is that if you go away and you've got your tablet with you, you, you've, you can have yes. the whole um, library of back issues at hand, you know, which is obviously not something yeah, you, could, you could, couldn't tra certainly sure. travel with all of them. Mm. But, um, and yeah. and you, can, you can put in bookmarks and all that sort of thing to find things easily. Uh, but there's something mm. about picking up a magazine and leafing yeah. through it that it's, still appeals. Uh, I guess yeah. we, we just have to yeah. watch that space and see how, see how it develops. In the market, yeah, I'd, I'd, it seems that locally, um, some magazines are finding that their print is mm. is is growing again. 
So it's just something we've got to watch. I don't think we can predict which way it's going to go. Right. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Would obviously, from from a cost point of view, it would be great for us if we could just go digital because um, printing prices absolutely. Printing is very expensive. There are a few um, advantages as well, I, I guess, which I've noticed with a few of the international magazines is they are uh, incorporating access to video demonstrations could be simply a, a tap away for a, a reader to actually watch the video. But then you need you, then you yeah. need very good internet yeah. connection, and we're still perhaps lagging a bit there as well. So there's mm-hmm. there's practical issues, but uh, yeah, I think internet in South Africa yeah. is still quite you know data is expensive, so people steer away from away from those type of things. But having said that, we've also started putting QR codes into the magazine where um, a demonstration, you know, the artist doing the demonstration or the product they've used has a video on YouTube and you can just um, take your your tablet or your smartphone and um, and scan that QR code and it will take you directly to the video. So we've started to add a little bit of, of um, interactive content. And talking about print or digital, Linda, how does um, somebody listening to this interview, how can they get a subscription and where do they find your magazine? Uh, the best thing to do would probably be to go to our website, um, which is uh, the saartist.co.za, um, and they can click on the subscription tab, or the, if they want to go and buy a copy, they can click on the stockist tab. And we keep adding to that list, so it's a good idea to keep checking. And then also, I'd just like to say, you know, if if, the, if you have a local store who you think should be stocking the magazine. Um, then please ask them to contact us or send us their details so we can get in contact with them. Because um, it's quite, you know, especially in smaller towns, it's quite difficult to find all these little um, art right. shops or, or um, news agents that um, that could be stocking. Oh, yeah, excellent. So. I certainly hope that does happen, Linda, because um, we are starved for art magazines in this country. There's no doubt about it. So I think you've done a great service and are helping a lot of artists uh, display their work and talents and also learning from others as well. It's, that has been an amazing thing. And we see many international artists, such, they have such a presence online or we're missing out on what's available locally. So the magazine definitely is a window of opportunity there as well. So I just want to say thanks very much for joining me today and and i hope that uh, our chat has has some useful um, insights for anyone interested in publishing and uh, also don't do it (laughs) and and, uh, artists who can contact you and perhaps are better at sticking to a deadline than some of the others (laughs) Uh, that's a question that we get asked and actually if i could just say if 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 there are artists out there who um, would just like to submit their work for consideration, um, they can drop us an email, send us a couple of images, and um, we'll put them on the list and and we'll uh, contact them. Fantastic. Well, Linda, I wish you strength to strength with your magazine and uh, all the best for the future. And we'll chat again one day soon, hopefully. Thanks very much, Malcolm. Same to you. I want to give a special thanks to Linda Hodnett for appearing on the show today. You can find out more about 
the South African Artist magazine on their website, theessayartist.co.za. Go along there and find out how you can subscribe to the magazine. There's also a lot of uh, useful information on the site, demonstrations and um, information about uh, competitions you can enter and much more. So check out the essayartist.co.za. As usual, this podcast is brought to you by Learn to Paint with Impact, the comprehensive painting course for beginners and intermediate artists. Find out more about the course at malcolmdeweyfineart.com and you can sign up for the course and get stuck into over seven hours of video demonstrations, assignments, and much more. That's Learn to Paint with Impact at malcolmdeweyfineart.com. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and if you have, please give it a like and a share, and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode. Until then, we'll chat again soon. Cheers for now.